Welcome to the Thundercast, your martial athletics podcast produced by the fans, for the fans, with your hosts, Russ Livingood and KD Hudnall. We're bringing you the thundering word on the thundering herd each and every week. So keep it right here. The Thundercast is on the loose. Thanks for downloading another episode of the Thundercast. You can follow us on Twitter, Thundercast underscore pod. Head on over to YouTube, subscribe to the Thundercast YouTube channel, hit that post notification bell so you never miss when we drop an episode or any of the other content that only goes over on YouTube. Russ, we have a massively big week and weekend, really. We'll touch on something other than football towards the end of the episode, but this is the one, man. This is the this is the game. Um Georgia Southern's coming in to face the herd for 75 week. And, and, you know, this one's, this one's super special and I want to get into it and I want to talk about everything around this game. So let's hurry up and, and get through what we have to get through so that we can actually talk football and talk about 75 week and what it means. So let's get a quick word from our sponsors at 304carwreck.com. If you've been hurt in a wreck, visit 304carwreck.com on the web or on Facebook. Jason and Matt are experienced injury lawyers in Huntington who practice throughout West Virginia, Ohio, and Kentucky. They can't protect you from bad drivers, but they will make sure you're treated fairly by the insurance companies. Find them at 304carwreck.com. It's 75 week, Russ, and I'm going to flip the script a little bit on format because I know there's some extra stuff that we want to talk about. So let me get through some of the house cleaning stuff as we get into this game. Georgia Southern is coming to town, a six and three team on the season. They're three and two in the Sun Belt, very much alive for that Sun Belt East Division uh, crown and a chance to go to the Sun Belt Conference Championship game. They've only got two losses in conference this season, and they're Fairly respectable. Uh, they lost to J- James Madison a couple weeks ago. We talked about that as we were heading into our game with JMU. That was a pretty convincing loss or pretty convincing win, really, by JMU. It was 41-13. to 13, But the main, the main talking point we talked about in that, just as in the course of our preview, was that the turnover ratio in that game was Georgia Southern 3, James Madison nothing. That really set the stage for what the score looked like in that one. And then just last week, Georgia Southern headed down to Texas State and took a fairly convincing loss again, 45-24. to 24. Now, it wasn't really the turnover ratio in that one. Uh, even though it was edge Texas State 2-1, to one, it was more that Texas State kept moving the football. They had 30 first downs in that game. So you've heard Huff in the, in the uh, pressers this week talk about, you know, you have the ability to move the ball. And our players were talking about, you have the ability to move the ball. It's just that it's a little harder to score. So something to be aware of, you know, that that Marshall has the opportunity here to gain yards offensively. Now, this will be the eighth all-time meeting between Georgia Southern and the Herd. I think most folks might think there would be more since this was uh, goes back to those Southern Conference days. But the Herd owns a 5-2 to two edge in the overall series. One and two all time. I'm sorry, two and one all time in Huntington, West Virginia. This will be uh, um, Georgia Southern's first trip to Huntington since all the way back in 1995, which was a 37 to seven herd victory. And last year in 2022, herd went down to Statesboro and got the win 23 to 10. Uh, in that game, 
Cam Fancher passed for 274 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Rasheen Ali went for 79 yards on the ground. First game back for him uh, last season. And then Kalen Laburn also went for 70 yards in that game. The Herd had six pass catchers that averaged at least 15 yards per reception last season. So this is uh, some things that if any of these similarities hold true from this Georgia Southern defense from a year ago, maybe we can see the Herd bounce back in a big way. Russ, this is 75 for you. And I want to talk a little bit about 75 week, but you've been quiet over there. So let's talk about what 75 week means um, to you personally, to all of us, to the college football world, just how special it is. So what does 75 week mean to you? I had family members that were up here uh, in school during the crash. Um, close, close family members. It was always talked about. It was something that I knew in my early Marshall fandom from down in Southern West Virginia. Um, coming up here, it really hit me harder when I came up here to actually seeing the the things going on on campus and, and all that. As an adult, when I started uh, meeting people that had family members in the crash, that was when it really, really hit home. So it seems like as the years go on, even though it's further away from the event, the more it means to me. Uh, it's not something that is dwindling because this is 53 years now since the crash. It seems like it is more important to me this year than it was the last and the year before that, the year before that. I don't know if that does it justice to say, but this is... Um, this is just something that I, I feel like will always be binded to this university, to this town. I mean, I've got neighbors uh, within a block. I've got at least three that had family members in the crash. And I just don't feel like that's ever going to not be important. It's above football. It's above everything. And... I just I can't put into words anymore what it means to me that my alma mater, my town that I live in, um, I consider it my hometown now. I've been here so long. Uh, it's just always going to be intertwined with this. I go to the gravesite. You know, uh, we've gone up there several times together when you're in. Um, it just means a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it does. Uh, there's nothing in probably the sports world, not just the college football world, but there's nothing in the sports world that is like this. You know, it's just so uniquely ours and, and it's become this badge of honor that we wear. And I really am, um, I'm really am, am happy that there was a little bit of a transition that, that took place with 75 week to where they started calling it more of a tribute rather than a memorial. Right. Because just as important is, the other side of that coin and what happened in 1971 and beyond, right. because that's yeah. the resilience, that's the rise. That's, that's the, uh, that's the, that's the part that I think a lot of fans really, really grab a hold of because it's, it's, you know, it would have been really easy just to not play again, yeah. you know, but it, it, Marshall didn't do that, you know, uh, chose to play again. And 
you know, and, and these historic firsts that came out of that, you know, the first team ever to be able to play freshmen, you know, I think that's a huge detail that goes on in the modern sports world, the model, model, uh, modern collegiate sports world that I bet not too many people outside of Marshall realize that that gets attributed all the way back to the herd in 1971. Freshmen couldn't play. Now they can play. Right. But the, 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 the short and sweet of it is this week is never, ever, ever, ever going to be about who the opponent is. Never. Yeah. It's about Marshall. It's about who we are. It's about how we got here, here. It's about our city and our university. And, and most importantly, it's about our people, you know, our people. This is, this is very, very much a part of the fabric of who you are as a person if you are a Marshall alum or a student or an employee or an, an athlete or a former athlete or just a fan. It, it, it's part of you. You know, and it doesn't mm -hmm. matter if you were born yet. It doesn't matter. I wasn't born yet when this happened. But if you go to Marshall, if you spend time around Marshall and you really start to develop an appreciation just for the university in general and you start digging into the history and that interests you, you find that this story just becomes a part of you and, and it molds certain aspects of you. And I think I look back to what I say all the time about you know, losses don't, uh, like affect me. And I think that's part of plays into the fabric of that, you know, it's because this is, there's so many bigger things that happen here in Huntington and at Marshall university that one loss in a game just doesn't affect me so badly because of this, you know, this is one reason for that, but this is the absolute common thread that connects everybody at Marshall, everybody. And it doesn't matter when you played or what conferences you were in or if you were a starter or, you know, a reserve player or what a Hall of Famer. It doesn't matter. This is the singular thread. It doesn't even matter if you were an athlete, just if you went here, right, because you're connected. So that's why it's really important. And, and at, from an athletic standpoint, I'm not sure that anybody is going to be able to say it to maybe encapsulate what it means better than former head coach Doc Holliday. Doc used to say, how would you like to be the coach of a team that plays a game that you're not, that you can't lose, right? Because that's, that's what this game kind of is. And that's how they, that he viewed it. It's like, it's so important to the people here. It's so important to the community and the university. Like I can't lose this game. And there were times he lost the 75 week game, but it was like that type of, that type of, I don't want to call it pressure, but importance around this one. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely singularly the most important game on the schedule every season because of what it means, both tragedy and triumph, right? It's, it's just, it's just such a special story. And um, I'm really happy that I continually get to be a part of it and just as a fan. And now since the birth of the Thundercast, we get to talk about it on a larger stage a little bit and talk about what it means. And, you know, we have friends who have uh, parents that were students and, and, um, during that time, during the late 60s, early 70s, lived in the dorms with, um, you know, several football players and and were was friends with them, you know. And then one day they were like, all right, we're headed out to, you know, the game. We're going to catch the bus and the plane and go down to East Carolina. And, and, you know, in speaking and conversations, he's like, and then 
it was just empty dorm rooms, you know, like they yeah. didn't, they didn't come back. And that's, that's one of those things, like how we talk about sometimes fans getting really aggressive with our athletes today and they forget like they're real people. This is that real people thing for them. You know, it's like, these were my friends and they were here and then they were not here. And, yeah. and it wasn't just one or two people. It was 75 people. So it, it while it, it's, um, I don't know. I don't, I don't really ever get tired of talking about it. And it, and it's not in a, like a, it's never in a boasting way. It's just a really, I just, I just love the story and I love everything, uh, you know, that all the positivity that's come out of it over the last 50 plus years. But, um, this is a must win for a number of reasons, not just because we need a win in 2023. It's a must win just because it's 75 weekend. You must win. That's it. You must win. So um, how would you like to get into some game discussion? I would love it because <laughs> okay, much, much like when, uh, when the decision was made to not have the opener uh, for when the, the team comes out, not to have them come out quietly during the thing, you know, at some point you've got to, got to say, Hey, let's make this more about, you know, an, an actual football entrance and everything. Uh, mm -hmm. We need to do the same now because otherwise I'm going to get depressed again. <laughs> no, know. no, I'm with you. I mean, the football game should, it should have the energy of a football yeah. game because there are yeah. still things that you can do to, to, to pay homage and, and to just yeah. do things in a special way that are also energetic, yeah. right? Because we have the Memorial fountain ceremony. That's yeah. more for the Memorial, right? That's why it's right. the Memorial fountain. Yeah. So you can you can play the duality of the weekend, but the game needs to be energetic. You, you, you it's yeah. asking a lot for those guys to come out to get hyped up before the game, come out solemnly, and then get hyped up again. That's yeah. a lot. That's an emotional roller coaster. They just need to be able to get up, stay up, and go out and perform. So I'm glad that uh, decisions were made to do that. And but I'm still anxiously awaiting to see what this year's intro will look like. This year's, mm -hmm. you know, because I I just love it. So anyway, look, the herd sits at uh, four and five on the season, one and four in uh, Sun Belt Conference play. We need to win two out of three to make a bowl. Period. Need mm -hmm. to win two out of three. But more importantly, we got to go one and zero oh this weekend to really have a legitimate puncher's chance of doing that. Right? Uh, ESPN Power Index says it's coin flip, fifty one point six percent chance to win for the herd in a home game, which. Okay, I uh, heard minus two and a half in Vegas, um, or maybe it's Georgia Southern minus two and a half. I think I meant to write plus two and a half. Yeah, over under Southern minus two and a half. Yeah, I meant to write plus two and a half. Over under 56 and a half puts you in that 29 to 27 type score range. Uh, look, quick bullet points on Georgia Southern. They run an air raid style offense, so you can expect a lot of heavy passing. Clay Helton and, and the Helton brothers, anyway, he's the brother of Tyson Helton, head coach of Western Kentucky, and they run an air raid offense. So the Heltons just run or love to pass the football. Defense does give up a lot of yards at 394 a game. We'll get into some rankings and stats later. But in relation, I'm not sure that the point total is – High or low, it's just kind of like where you might think it should be, but just under 27 points per game allowed. Um, before we get into some players, what do you, what's this one look like, you know, to you? Well, their offense is dangerous. You know, you touched on it with it being an air raid. Uh, we're going to get into these individual players, but mm -hmm. they can do it on the ground. They can do it through the air. they got a lot of different weapons. they got people that can take it to the house at any time. Um, there's some peculiarities in there, uh, that, 
that I hope that we can get into, but their offense is really, really the driver behind their record and their performance so far this year. Yeah, it, their offense drives the bus, right? Because they jump out on teams. If they're able to jump out on a team, then that really is like the whole catalyst for for their success because they're making you play from behind and they pass anyway, and so you're not forcing them into a scenario. It's not – I, I don't think you're ever going to get forced into a scenario where you have to run the football, you know what I mean? You're usually forced mm-hmm. into a scenario where you pass, and if you're already great at that, then – you know, you're really not being forced into anything offensively. So if they're able to jump out and get an early lead, it's a different ball game. You know, so let's talk about some of these players that are going to try to do that for this Eagles offense. And it starts with the quarterback for them. Another transfer in. They had Van Treese last year that came from Buffalo. This year it's number five quarterback Davis Brin. Six foot two, 210 pound senior comes over from Tulsa. Uh, 275 out of 387 on the season, uh, 2,651 yards on the year, 18 touchdowns versus 13 interceptions. Not that great, but not bad at all. Um, 48 carries on the season, negative 55 yards. So I don't think we're going to have to worry about a dual threat Davis Brin too much, maybe. Um, one touchdown on the ground, though. He has been sacked 21 times. Then you go to the runner. Number 25 running back, Jalen White, six foot, 215, senior, 123 carries on the season, 750 yards, eight touchdowns on the ground, good for 6.1 yards per carry. And then we're going to talk about three wide receivers. We could really talk about more, but we're going to talk about three. Number seven, wide receiver, Caleb Hood, 5'10, 180. He's also a senior, leads the team with 73 catches, leads the team with 748 yards, tied for the team lead with four touchdowns. Good for 10.2 yards per reception. Also makes a lot of waves in the return game. Um, number two, uh, wide receiver Derwin Burgess Jr., 5'11", 190. Also a class status, a junior. 50 receptions on the season. Good for 538 yards. Tied for the team lead with four receiving touchdowns. Good for 10.8 yards per reception. And lastly, we're going to talk about number 17 wide receiver, Dalen Cobb, 5'10", 195. He's a sophomore, youngster of the group. 25 catches, uh, 353 yards, just one touchdown through the air, but a better uh, yards per reception uh, numbers with 14.1. Overall, this Georgia State, I'm sorry, Georgia Southern offense, 32.6 points per game, good for 33rd in the country. On 441 yards per game, good for 28th in the country. On 306 of those passing, good for 11th in the country. Here's the thing. I don't know what stats and what rankings you have, but here's what I saw and jotted down. Their top four wide receivers in terms of yardage, 748, 538, 353, and 249. Okay? The Herd's top five, because we have two tied with the same yardage total, 273, 237, 226, and two tied at 215. Mm-hmm. Um the massive disparity numbers in passing and in the in the pass receiving game are quite paramount. Uh, leading rusher for this Georgia Southern team, I mentioned Jalen White, 750 yards on 123 carries. That's just 17 fewer yards than Rasheen Ali, and Ali has 26 more carries. So don't just think this is a pass, pass, pass offense. They can also run the football. So what about? This Georgia Southern offense. Well, you hit a lot of the things that I were gonna I was gonna talk about, and I don't think that it's uh, 
absurd to think so because these things just jump out at you. Bryn has uh, thrown interceptions in chunks. He had five against Wisconsin. He's been sacked a lot. You mentioned 21. The team itself has given up 23 sacks on the year. Uh, Bryn has also bounced back the two games after that Wisconsin. He had four touchdowns, three touchdowns, no interceptions in either game. So if you can get to him, he may throw a bunch of uh, picks, and then he may have a flawless day. In that Wisconsin game, he threw for 383 yards with five interceptions. So he is still a threat all over the field uh, for throwing. Jalen White, his last three games, he has really, really upped his numbers. He uh, has 68 carries, 439 of those 750 yards, and five of his eight touchdowns. He's rushing for six and a half yards per carry in these last three games. So dangerous on the ground like you said even in an air raid it's one of those where they spread the ball out they spread the receivers out and he's going to be you know one-on-one runs to get into the second level so we really got to hit him behind the line of scrimmage cannot miss tackles we cannot get him out into open space yeah. Uh, before you go, go on, I just want to mention yeah. who those three opponents were because it's yeah. UL Monroe at home, Georgia State in a rivalry game at home, and then on the road against Texas State. So it's not like terrible teams. You know, yeah. Th- these are decent teams outside of maybe UL Monroe is probably the weakest of the bunch. But Georgia State's a good team. They play good mm-hmm. defense against the herd, and Texas State's a much improved team. So it's not like, uh, you know, these guys are putting up numbers against terrible teams. They're pretty good. Anyway. Uh, Hood and Burgess Jr. obviously are the heavy hitters in uh, that receiving core. They have, like you mentioned, five receiving options that would be near the top in stats for us, one Mm -hmm. of which is a tight end, a couple of touchdowns and uh, over 200 yards for him. So they spread the ball around. It's not like you can shut down one guy and you shut down their receiving core. They're going to be, uh, you know, if you have to double cover somebody else, that's going to leave threats open. So it looks like we're just going to have to stop the quarterback from making those throws, disrupt him, hopefully jump some routes, get some uh, interceptions, cause some fumbles. They are prone to the turnover, uh, but we'll talk about in a, in a bit as many turnovers as they have, they're still only negative three in turnover margin on the year. So, yeah. Yeah, this is a very dangerous offense, and I think based on some of the things that we've seen out of the herd defense here in recent weeks, it it is worrisome. It is Mm -hmm. worrisome because this is not the right time to run into an air raid offense. Uh, But let's talk about defensively what these uh, Eagles do. Uh, It starts with number one, really. I mean, dang, this guy is like easily far and away the best player on defense for Georgia Southern linebacker Marcus Marquise Watson Trent five foot 11 225 he's a junior leads the team in total tackles with 88 leads the team in solo tackles with 46 he has three sacks tied for the team lead with two interceptions one of those went for a touchdown he has a forced fumble and a pass defended excellent excellent all-around defender for Georgia Southern, huge drop off in tackles numbers, just going from one to two. But number two on the team is a DB, number sixteen, Tyrell Davis, six foot one, two hundred pound sophomore, all the way down from eighty eight total tackles to forty four total tackles. Uh, Watson Trent has more solo tackles than total tackles for Mister Davis. 
44 total tackles, 24 of those solo, an interception. That also went for touchdown. Force fumble and two passes defended. Then number five DB TJ Smith, five foot nine, one eighty-five. He's a junior. Forty total tackles, thirty of those solo. Uh, tied for the team lead with Watson Trent with two interceptions and one pass defended. Then lastly, we'll talk about another linebacker, number nine, Kadri Jackson, number or six foot one, two thirty. He's a senior. Thirty-eight total tackles, twenty-three solo, one sack. One interception also went for a touchdown, two forced fumbles, and two passes defended. Bullet points. They've got 19 team sacks. Nine of those have come from defensive lineman Isaac Walker and Elhaj Fall. And then you add Watson Trent's three more, so that's 12 of the 19 between three guys. Uh, impact plays for this defense, 11 total interceptions on the year. I mentioned the 19 sacks, 11 forced fumbles, nine fumble recoveries, three defensive touchdowns, and get this. You might expect this from an air raid offense that goes up against this defense every day. 43 passes defended. By comparison, we say Marshall does a pretty good job of that, and they do. But just by comparison, Marshall's got 27 on the season. That's mm -hmm. how good these guys are in pass coverage uh, bullet points are they allow 20 27.9 points per game that's 86th in the country the herd though 28.4 that's 93rd in the country uh, they give up 394 yards per game that's also 86th in the country 246 of those come against the pass so as good as they are at defending passes and they are still the 103rd ranked pass defense in the country um 67 uh, against the run with 147.4 Russ, well, what about is this where the peculiarities fall for you? What you were talking about earlier? Some of it. Uh, one that I forgot to mention during uh, the offense that I'll touch on first that was peculiar. Uh, and I'm not trying to get into a long argument about Cam Fancher and our throwing uh, acumen and stuff like that. But one of the knocks that you always hear is that Fancher does not throw for a lot on yards per attempt. Mm -hmm. And exactly 6.8 for us and Georgia Southern on yards per attempt. They just have a lot more attempts than us. Yeah. Um, it, it just, it, I expected to see a much higher number on the attempts. It's not well, like that they have a lot uh, lower uh, completion percentage either. It just, I expected to see a higher number. Yeah. Now, I know this isn't an, a true definite indicator but when i was writing down stats and i see that your two top receivers yards per reception is under 11 that to me says chain movers lots of receptions you know nothing big over the top because a lot of times we see guys with those big numbers that might lead mm -hmm. the team they're pushing that 15 16 17 yards per reception because they've been the beneficiary of several 60 or 70 yard plays right yeah. and that's just not what this is it's just like chuck the ball chuck the ball chuck the ball you know so it's not that there are chunk plays. There are a lot of them, and you're going to have mm -hmm. it when you pass the ball as often as they do, but that was mm -hmm. a, just a quick indicator to me that, yeah. that the yards per reception or the yards per pass is probably a tad lower. I don't think a lot of people are going to want to hear that because you see the success of you know 2,600 and some yards versus what Cam's got, and, and we've seen first – we've watched every Marshall game. Our fans mm -hmm. have watched every Marshall game, so they've seen the struggles in real time. And I'm, I don't, I don't want to get in an argument about it either. It's just one data point, but it is a surprising yeah. data point. Now, back to this on to, defense. On to the defense, uh, Isaac Walker there with those five sacks. He is tied for second on pass deflections at six 
from mm-hmm. the defensive line. Yeah. He get he gets penetration, gets his uh uh paw up, bats down balls. What can happen in a situation like that? Interceptions. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it's not just that, hey, that's a, a definite incompletion. That's an interception threat. They've got three different ones that have taken it to the house. Not not only three different uh, interceptions for touchdowns, pick sixes, three different people, one each. So keep that in mind. Uh, he gets back. He wasn't up near the top. He's got 10 solo and 10 assists, 20 total tackles. He's not near the top in tackles, but five of his 20 tackles have gone for sacks, 32 yards, six pass deflections. Uh, he is going to be a threat along the defensive line. And yes, they do have some talented defensive backs and linebackers. So even though they give up a lot, they're, it's one of those almost make or break kind of deals to where they're either going to have a big defensive play or they're going to be burned defensively. Mm-hmm. So maybe look for them to jump routes a lot. Maybe look for them to try to make that big play. And it may be that they have to do that because of the offense uh, um, getting off the field quicker. I don't know. You know, they it we'll just have to see kind of how that plays out. It just stood out to me that our defensive lineman is just such a threat on passes deflected. I don't know what that stat would look like nationally amongst defensive linemen, but you would have to think six is a very big number for a defensive lineman. Yeah, I would tend to agree with that too. And you're right. That's a, that's an excellent point that I heard. uh, I I think Huff mentioned that, you know, their defense just does stay out there a lot because of the air raid type offense that just Mm -hmm. leads to either probably quick scoring or, three and outs, you know what I mean? So that's where you can move the ball on them late. Now, what does that mean for Marshall? Well, it it could mean something positive because we've talked about this a lot, that that's where Rasheen Ali has made his, his big plays is late in football games. But, you know, he is, he is down a step unless he's, unless something's happened this week and he's got the little, little added zip back. But the problem with that is you also have to be able to go punch for punch with this Georgia Southern offense mm-hmm. in order to be able to stay out of being forced into passing a lot and and be able to give the ball to Rasheen late in order for him to maybe make that late game run. It's just an interesting matchup, man. It, it, it there's so many ins and outs and 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 things scenarios the way it could go. Uh, last guy I want to talk about special team and replace kicker number 98, Michael Lance, six foot one ninety senior, 16 out of 20 on field goals. He's perfect under 40, by the way. So something to be aware of. And uh, 11, I'm sorry, he's 11 out of 11 uh, from 39 and below, 34 out of 34 on the extra points. Uh, Russ, let's talk about some keys to victory. What's your number one for the herd this week? Let me do one more thing on uh, Mr. Walker there on what defensive you line. Do. Uh Five forced fumbles and three fumble recoveries. So five sacks, six passes defended, five forced fumbles. Again, it just, it seems like one of those, a lot of people are not talking about him like they would a a Jalen Green and probably Mm -hmm. rightfully so 15 and a half sacks before he got injured. But this looks like a very peculiar uh, do it all kind of guy catalyst for the defense there. So let um, me set you up. Let me set you right. up before you give me a key. If that right. guy were on our roster 
and Coach Huff were talking about him as a defensive lineman, how do you think he would be described? What mm, two um, descriptors leap off the page at you with those type of stat of stats? Violent and disruptive. Exactly. Yeah. It doesn't show up necessarily in gaudy tackle numbers, but all those yeah. impact plays, that's disruption, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and you don't get that without being violent at the point of attack. That's the type of guy that just can – Utterly change the tra trajectory of a game. Now, and and finally, before my first key is, we talked about uh, you know that maybe the offense gets off the the field, putting that defense uh, in in a bad position. But you look at their time of possession, and they're like thirty one twenty four. Yeah. So it's either that the defense is getting scored on quickly. I don't know. You know, it's just, it seems peculiar when you start looking at these things that you think that you're going in a certain way and you're like, okay, this says that it indicates that, but then this contradicts that. <laughs> yeah, so I would, I would love to have the time to watch every single play of every game that they have, you know, that we don't have the, the ability to do that, but it just, it was peculiar. Yeah. All right. My first key to victory is, Obviously, we're going to have to score. I said that before, but we're going to have to score, and we need at least three, if not four, touchdowns. It's a tall order looking at what we've done the last three weeks. It's also a no-brainer. Of course, we need to outscore the other team to win, but there's just no other way for me to say it than we have got to score. We've got to get that monkey off our backs, like I said before, and we just have to come out and we have to score. We've got to find a way to do it, but we got to score. Well, I'm going to take it a step further because I think my number one key to victory for Marshall this week is they have to take an early lead and stay aggressive all game long. Because if you take your foot off of the gas, even if it's not working, I'm willing to to go out on the limb and say you you stay aggressive because even if you're going three and out and giving the ball back, at least you're trying to move the football. Instead of just, you know, taking taking a uh, more passive approach on a drive here and there, and you end up punting anyway, but you're not truly being aggressive to move the football and continually put pressure on that Georgia Southern defense. They've got to take an early lead. They have to be able to play from ahead, and they have to stay aggressive so that they can have an opportunity to go punch for punch with Georgia Southern. That, to me, is easily my biggest key to victory. What is your number two? Special teams is going to be a key for me. I think that we have to have some, uh, not necessarily a, a pump block or something like that, but we have to be able to flip the field with our punting and with our punt returns or our kickoff returns or, um, you know, getting the field goals when we need it. So they're not getting the ball on the 30 or something like that. They're actually, we're kicking off to them because we kicked a field goal. We need to win the field position battle through our special teams this week. Well, it's hard to argue against that as well. Uh, my number two, I alluded to it in number one, you're going to have to go punch for punch. Um, you know, folks like to say, get knocked down eight times, get up nine. Well, that's, that's not, you can't do that. You have to get knocked down eight times and get up eight times. So you can't get up an extra time just for the hell of it. Well, but what about it first thing in the morning? What you if know, I, I fall down on my way up? Then I have to get up an extra time. But no, you're you're going to have to continually get off the mat and keep on punching. You know, it, it's going to be a go the distance type game. I don't see the herd just running away with this one and, and being on easy street. Even if there are some turnovers, uh, 
even if the Eagles turn it over to the herd a couple of times, we've just seen Marshall give it right back, you know, mm-hmm. or, or we've seen them not be able to do anything with that possession. So you, you just have to be in for a 60 minute, you know, street fight, basically. You, you just have to be able to be able to do that. What is your number three? Number three is uh, our defense has got to figure it out. We, we had a good game there. Um, uh, few weeks back and then it just seemed like again against app big plays are given up those extra yards are given up where you think that you've got a sack or you've got the quarterback behind the line of scrimmage or maybe he has to throw it away and he finds somebody on a scramble or he scrambles Mm -hmm. himself and picks up uh just enough for a first down we've got to not miss the tackles and we've got to do a better job of lockdown defense yeah, we've got some subs in because of injuries and things like that, but we've just got to find a way. And against this spread the ball around defense or offense, we really are going to have to have a tight, tight defense. Yeah, that is uh, actually kind of hand in hand with my third key to victory, but I've pinpointed it a little bit more to the secondary, right? Because they did not have a great game against a backup quarterback at Coastal Carolina. They did not have a great game against Aguilar at, at App State. He was very efficient and just continually moved the football. So it's it's I'm not giving Mike Abraham a pass, right? Because he's the upperclassman, he's the senior. He's not getting a pass. But I, I just think that there will be different guys picked on. I don't I don't think there will be very many opportunities for Micah Abraham to have to make plays because there are so many youngsters that are playing in the secondary. So I think the youngsters that are playing in the secondary are going to have to be on point. You know, we saw the, the, uh, you know, the wrong, the wrong guy get covered against app. It led for a a beautiful wide open touchdown, you know, and that's the type of thing you can't have. You've got to make sure that, you know, your coverages are right. And having JJ Roberts back there, you heard Huff talk about this is having him back. He helps get guys lined up. He helps, uh, you know, shrink that learning curve real quickly uh, pre-snap so you can go, hey, you're here, I'm here, you got this guy, that type of thing. So having that type of leader back there who's played a lot of football, uh, you, you've, you've heard Huff talk about it. some of these guys and transfers that we've had, they didn't play a lot at their other school. And you've got guys that are fresh out of high school that are you know freshmen or redshirt freshmen that just haven't played a lot of game action for the herd. Well, we, we are getting into that area now where we're getting two, three, four games of sample size. You should have your feet wet enough to have a really good working knowledge of what you need to do and where you need to be. But having a guy like J.J. back there to help those youngsters out, to to take the, the thinking out of it so you can just play, is going to be beneficial. But these youngsters have to be more on point this week than we've seen them the last two weeks. Uh, what is your number four? Number four is we've got to feed off the fans, and that means uh, the fans have to be there. Mm-hmm. And I really hope that the five losses in a row will not be a deterrent. The 43, 40-degree 40 weather will not be a deterrent. I, I hope that you will honor the 75, no matter what the, the scoreboard has shown the last five weeks, and you get out, you're there, you're loud, you support the team, and you allow our team to feed off of that energy. Um, I feel like they'll be up for the game no matter what, but I feel like it will be a lot more special with us in the zone, our house, being there loud and Mm -hmm. supporting them and letting them know that we're still there. I would agree. I would echo that, you know, wear your thermals, make sure you're plenty warm. Don't give yourself an excuse to leave early or not go. 
like bundle up and go and be there. If I could be there, I would absolutely 100% be there. I mean, I'm, I got to make it to two games last year. I went to the opener. I always go to the opener. And the other game that I chose was 75 week last week or last year. And I froze my butt off and I loved it. Right. And I don't get to go this year because, you know, my second trip was Virginia Tech. And, uh, but I think fans will show out. I don't know. I, I don't feel comfortable giving an attendance guess, you know, right now. Um, obviously, I would love to see over 20K. Marshall should never be under 20K ever. But, uh, you know, are, are there enough extenuating circumstances and, and outlying factors that will keep enough people away? I certainly hope not. I certainly mm -hmm. hope not. But for me, the number four key to victory is this offense is going to have to put together a complete game for 60 mm -hmm. minutes. Yeah. The entire offense, no mm -hmm. drops by our receivers and tight ends, better blocking by our offensive linemen, tight ends, and running backs, right? Better reads by Cam or whoever Q, whoever's playing quarterback at the time. No costly penalties when we finally do get a breakthrough big play. It cannot be called back just to have to go second and 20 now after a 30-yard run on first down. It's got to be that effort, that that offensive showing that we've needed for a month. It has to come on Saturday. That's what the fans need. That's what our players need. That's what our coaches need. That's what everybody needs. You can just totally change so much of the argument if you go out and you put on a great performance during 75 week. You just can. It's it's the it's the nature of this particular game, this particular week. If you go out and you put on a great showing when you haven't really done anything in a month, it changes the, the narrative. It changes how people talk about you. And that's exactly what this team needs. They need a change in conversation. And there's nothing like a big 75-week win to make that happen. Russ, who is your MVP this week? You know, I think we got to get back to Rasheen Ali being the MVP. And uh, I think that he's going to help and open up so much more with uh big runs uh hopefully hit that ankle that leg whatever it is that's bothering him that's preventing him from hitting that top breakaway speed you know we saw him kind of have people closing on him instead of him breaking away from them uh, it's got to be Rasheen for me uh look for a bounce back game look for him to uh have a statement game and that will really help drive this offense i i, I agree with your sentiment mm-hmm and I would love to see that happen. Here's who I think, I'm kind of cheating a little bit, but here's who I think actually legitimately have to be the MVPs. This is several guys, and it's the guys I alluded to earlier. It's the young secondary players. You're playing an air raid offense with half a dozen capable, dangerous receivers and pass catchers. It's got to be guys like A.G. McGee, Jacoby Henderson, Josh Moten, Deani Hill, and to a certain extent, Mike Abraham. Right, because he's got to do his job in locking down his side of the field, so that that doesn't become a con a point of uh, contention. I've got a lot of faith in in Micah. I've got a lot of faith in JJ Roberts. Right, those guys have played a lot of football. It's the guys that haven't played a ton. Deion's been playing pretty decent ball lately. AG's been playing pretty decent ball lately. Every one of those guys that has played in reserve duty or is starting to see their reps notch up over the last month, they've got to notch it up another level this week to shut down or at least try to mitigate the lethality of an air raid offense. That is the true MVP 
no matter who's doing the scoring. If we can't keep them out of the end zone, I'm not sure we can put up enough points, right? So mm -hmm. with that being said, you got a score prediction? Whew. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go against my herd and I'm gonna say that it's a 31 to 28 shootout as much as a 31 to 28 shootout can be. I don't mean you know 66 to 60 shootout, but I do look for it to be back and forth. Uh no big leads that have to be overcome. It's just matching touchdowns and matching stops, 31-28 Marshall. Well, I'll tell you what, there's not a scenario in hell that's ever going to have me picking against the herd on 75 week. Just doesn't happen. Even if the herd isn't a very good team in a particular year, there's always that eerie play. There's always that crazy mm -hmm. thing that happens to give Marshall a little bit of a leg up. We've seen it over and over again. The block punt for touchdown against App State last year. We saw a muffed punt several years ago against Louisiana Tech when we were still in Conference USA, and they were like the class of the conference then. And they kind of crapped the bed a little bit, and Marshall beat them pretty well at, yeah. at during 75 week. It just happens. But, look, there's been a lot of comparisons. We've done it a little bit based on what we've seen on um, social media, and I want to take it back to 2016. Bad season, really bad season. Worst season in easily a decade, right? Three and nine team that year. But you know what we did? We went in and beat the brakes off of Middle Tennessee during 75 week that year. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was a bad year. They were We got handled two weeks leading up to that, and we got handled the final two weeks of that season, including, again, the worst loss in Jonesy Edwards Stadium history. But – for 75 week in 2016, we beat Middle Tennessee State 42 to 17. And that's just the nature of the beast in 75 week. You cannot count the herd out. They're going to go out there and give it all they have because you just have to. So I will not bet against the herd uh, on 75 week. Give me 27 to 24, Marshall, to get that uh, fifth win of the season and needing to go. Hmm, one out of two on the final season or the final remainder of the season to get a bowl. Russ, you know what though? A home game means tailgates and tailgates. it means sponsors for tailgates. So right. who is the, uh, who's the sponsor this week? Who is the, uh, uh, who's what's the menu looking like? G give me the deets man for this late season night game. Well, we got our friends at landscaping by Hillcrest back again. Uh, they said they loved what they uh, they were doing. Uh, you know, this will be their third tailgate this year. Awesome. Uh, yeah, they uh, they love what we're doing. They love interacting with the fans. They are making sure that if you stop by our tailgate, that you have free food and free drinks. So make sure that you keep them in mind. Landscape uh, or landscaping by Hillcrest.com. You can find them easily on the web, easily on social media. You'll be blown away by their photos and everything that they do. Hardscapes. This is not they come by and cut your grass. They do hardscapes better than anyone around. You'll see photos of uh, jobs that they've done 15 to 20 years ago, and it still looks like it was done yesterday. Mm -hmm. uh, they put in pools. They do. I've got a fence project going on at my house right now after they had just done a massive patio for me, paver patio. They do really good work. Um, Tom with landscaping by Hillcrest will be there and we hope to talk to him a little bit. He tries to stay off camera and that sort of thing. And just let us do our thing. But 
feel free to talk to him about your project that you want to do and how they can uh, change the landscape around your house and really just change the entire look and value of your house. Um, Menu, we're doing uh, a lot of burgers. I'm going to take over my uh, Blackstone griddle again and uh, load that up over in the truck, take it over there. We're going to have a lot of burgers. We're going to have some homemade... uh, pimento cheese to put on those burgers, probably some bacon, and then all different kinds of toppings that you can think of. So you can get a custom burger your way. I'll take uh, some different seasonings over. We'll make burgers to order over there. Uh, We'll have baked beans uh, and some other sides and chips and that sort of thing as well. And of course, an assortment of drinks in our Pelican coolers. But (laughs) Stop by. We hope to be over there and ready by 3 p.m. Uh, if we can get over there earlier and get set up, we will. Uh, but I feel like, uh, I can have the Blackstone ready to go around three o'clock there on Saturday. Nice. And of course, also, uh, in addition to tailgating and, um, a fabulous setup, uh, sponsored by landscaping by Hillcrest Thundercast live will make a return and we'll be live on the sea lot. You never know who stops by because, you know, we can't tell you, hey, you expect to hear from such and such because we just never know who's going to yeah. stop by and want to talk. And you know That's what? Right. We we are we are happy to oblige because we love the interaction. We love that folks want to be a part of the game day experience that we're bringing to herd fans. We love that former players want to be a part of it and just fans in general. It's just such a good time, man. It's such a good time. It's going to be great to be back at home, you know, for the first time in several weeks and a Saturday game again. So it should be well attended. Uh, The only thing we talk about that we really ask when you uh, come to the uh, Thundercast tailgates is if there's something particular that you like, just bring it with you. You know, we, that's all anything that's there. You, you can feel free to uh, have, but um, as far as food and and refreshment goes, but if you're one of the other things too, yeah, bringing something particular to go along with yeah. that. If uh, if you do, just keep it in mind. If you need it, like particularly, uh, there's an item that you know. Maybe you need to bring something gluten free. Maybe you need to bring a certain drink or whatever. Make sure to get with me or someone else over there that's kind of over the tailgate, so we can keep it aside from you. Because with everybody coming over, they're not going to know. Hey, this has to be for that person. They may grab it real quick. So. Yeah. Just get with me. We'll try to find a uh, place where we can keep it off to the side for you. Right on, man. Uh, so do you have any final words as we look forward to heading into 75 week and this huge matchup against Georgia Southern? I am looking forward to Marshall turning this around, uh, getting back on track, being the Marshall that we know that they can be, and what better way to do it than to honor the 75 and have a good home game during that uh, 75 week. So fans, we need to do our part. I'm going to be there doing my part. I hope that you'll join me. See you over there at the C-Lot before we go in, but let's go over there. Let's be loud. Let's support this team, and let's see them get back into the win call. Well said. Don't show up. I mean, don't not go because they're not winning. Yeah. Go. Pack the Joan. Give them the energy they need. Give them, give them all the tools that they need to go out there and perform the way you want this herd team to perform because things just happen on 75-week, man. They just happen. 
You don't want to miss it. You don't want to miss this inevitable, hopeful, big win that we're going to get on Saturday. I think the last thing that we've got to talk about, Russ, because we won't have an episode until early next week, and by then, something may have happened that trumps what we're going to talk about. But, hey, we would be remiss, even in this football-only preview, if I didn't mention two things, actually. So the first thing let me mention, and then we'll talk about the big thing, right? Uh, Yesterday, I don't know if a lot of you folks paid attention on social media, but it was signing day for most of our other sports uh, for the herd. And there were a bevy of signings all across herd athletics. It was such a busy day yesterday and everything was flurrying in that I didn't have an opportunity to like get all of those out, but don't, don't, for, don't, don't fret. I'm going to get all of those out across all of our sports and get all of the info to you. So that you know, who just committed to the herd and signed on the dotted line. And I also don't want to leave out any of the cool athletes that have committed to the herd that have been following us on the Thundercast. I don't want you to think that we only care about your recruiting and then not once you sign the dotted line. Oh no, no, there's probably 40 or 50, eh, maybe rough tweets that I've got to get out across herd athletics, but we're going to do that. Now the big news, Russ, as of today, This is Thursday, November 9th, we're recording. Marshall Soccer won the first two games in the Sunbelt Conference Tournament. They're headed to the Sunbelt Conference Championship match against West Virginia University. It'll be a big rematch of a loss just a couple of weeks ago up in Morgantown, but now they're coming to the vet. The game's going to be, or the match is going to be on Sunday at 1 p.m., and guess what, dude? Tickets are already sold out. They went on sale at noon this Thursday. We're recording. It is one, just after one o'clock, and I was checking my timeline at like 12.05, already sold out. So if you don't have tickets, the only way you're going to get tickets is hopefully you can win the two tickets that we're going to give away in the third row to the Sun Belt Conference Championship. I got a good feeling that we're going to set an attendance record for this one. We're going to break the attendance record from UCF earlier this season. That was 3,075. You made a great point earlier. I'm I'm not going to steal it from you, but I'm going to let you talk about where you think that number is going to fall. But what about this freaking herd soccer team who's back atop the polls, number one in the country in the final poll, probably solidified that number one RPI ranking, win or lose, but hey, eyes on the prize. We're the Sunbelt regular season champions. We're looking to be the Sunbelt conference tournament champions. And then the freaking national champions. Russ, how about this freaking herd? Man, they looked so good yesterday. I got to go to the majority of the game and um, uh, had to go pick up the kids. So I had to leave a little early and then you know threw it on when I got home to watch the end of it. But uh, they looked so, so, so good. Um Alvaro uh, Garcia Pasquale with that breakaway to to just get the first goal uh, one-on-one. And then after that, it took a little bit, but the floodgates opened up late. Three-nothing dominating win over a uh, very uh, physical, very physical Kentucky team. Mm-hmm. Uh, leave it at that. It was described as chippy. It was a lot more than chippy from what I saw there live, you know, there was a lot of pushing, uh, a lot of holding Jersey grabbing, 
uh, words back and forth. They were being physical, but we just came in and basically said, eh, let's just beat you three to nothing. How about that? <laughs> revenge tour number one. We got that one. And yeah. now revenge tour number two, we're coming at WVU. Uh, always interesting to see that the home team has had better success here over the last, uh, I think four matchups. Now the home team has won, maybe it's five, but, uh, should be an amazing day. One o'clock on Sunday, going to have a lot of people out there. I don't care what the weather's going to be. There's going to be a lot of people. You said 3,075. I think that gets broken. I think it gets shattered. And I think that they'll have the fire marshal say, no more. And that's the only time they'll stop doing standing room only tickets. Uh, yes, it's sold out, but you will still be able to get standing room only um, up to the time that they say, we just cannot put any more in here safely. Mm -hmm. I, I think that you'll probably see 3,300. I hope so. I hope that they absolutely obliterate this attendance record because they deserve it. Yeah. They're the number one team in the country. This one, is a conference one. championship game, right? Yeah. I don't give a shit who the opponent is. That doesn't matter to me. This team is an all-time great team, and they're at home playing for a championship. Those of us that are herd 90s students, fans, that kind of became the norm, not so much in soccer, but playing for championships at home, particularly in football, was an annual thing. Right. And that's mm -hmm. what we used to say. We play for championships. Well, mm -hmm. herd soccer is playing for championships, right? They're not just playing for a conference championship. They got bigger eyes on the prize too. So if we're going to play for championships, we need to have championship level fan support. Tickets are so cheap. Sanding room only is like 10 bucks. Is that, that's, that'll be the best 10 bucks you spend all weekend. And think about the weekend. Think about, in late September, we talked about, is this one of the all-time greatest weekends in herd history? We beat Virginia Tech in football. Then we beat and set an attendance record. at uh, We sell out Jones Edwards Stadium, beat Virginia Tech. We sell, a, sell out the vet, set a new attendance record, and beat number three UCF in that soccer match. Then we're going to fast forward to 75 week, and we have an opportunity to go in and get a big win against Georgia uh, Southern and turn this season around and go obliterate an attendance record at the vet all while capturing a Sunbelt Conference championship again. This could be the new best weekend of 2023 for herd athletics. Buy your tickets. Go to the match. I mean, you will not win, lose. You're not going to regret it. The atmosphere is going to be in freaking sane insane get there early it's going to be hard to get a good view but if you commit to going the tailgating scene is probably going to be awesome i mean yeah. this is going to be a big to do you cannot miss it russ you got anything else let me have it otherwise let's get out of here no i just really want to hit home about uh what you just said there about what a weekend this could be but it's going to have to start with that saturday game and you're going to want to go to that 75 game Heck, tailgate for that game. Don't stop until it's time to go to the soccer match. And, <laughs> you know, uh, now please, no drinking and driving, but tailgate early on Sunday at the tailgate uh, for soccer. Make it a uh, a great environment. Uh, let's say uh, we don't get along with our uh, 
in-state rivals up there at WVU, but let's not make them welcome. We don't need to be nasty just to not make them welcome. We just need to outnumber them about eh, 30 to 1. Let's <laughs> so make sure you get there, get there early, get up against the uh, fence so you can get, if you've got standing room only, that you're the ones that have the prime viewing and they have to sit back in the back maybe stand on each other's shoulders just to get a glimpse of the buck kicking that they're about to receive. Yeah. But let's be there. Let's be loud. Let's get it done. Heard nation, how we always do it. That's right, man. Uh, you can expect a probably even more physical game against West Virginia in this Sunbelt conference mm -hmm. tournament championship match. So you're going to see a good one. You're going to be treated to a great, great match. Gotta love the herd's chances. I mean, they just are utterly dominant at home need one more, one more, one more at the vet, baby. One more at the vet in the Sunbelt conference season and hoist another trophy. Let's do I, this. I just, I just put visions of KP into my head. One more, one more. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. I know what you're one, one more. You're about. <laughs> All right. Out of here. So whether you see us at the Joan, whether you see us at the cam or whether you see us at the mountain state Derby part two on Sunday at one o'clock, no matter where you see us, we're going to be saying, Go hurt. Go hurt. It's the Thundercast. We will see you next week. <laughs>